and welcome to the What's the PH Deal podcast, the podcast where we attempt to demystify the scientific process for folks going through the rigors of pursuing a PhD, folks thinking about getting a PhD, or even people just curious what it's all about, how the academic sausage is made, so to speak, or or how the academic tempeh is made for our vegetarian and vegan friends out there. <laughs> uh, you can check out the website associated with us at realphdeal.com. And we would love it if you email us at our group, uh, group email, phdealmail at gmail.com. Uh, we've already gotten some emails, uh, suggestions. So keep them coming, people. We are excited to have an army of PhDealerinos ready to rock. Uh, so and, and that means sleep with one eye open, Malcolm Gladwell. We're coming for your throne in the podcast universe. What's up? Shots fired. <laughs> you can check the show notes on whatever pod app you're using for that info. Feel free to send any comments, criticism, various Missouri specific trinkets, care of Elias, of course. <laughs> and most importantly, any questions, uh, we'd happen to take a stab at your questions you send our way and do our best to try to answer them. Uh, finally, a real quick disclaimer, the following podcast reflects only our views and is in no way meant to represent any of the views of our institution or parent organizations we're associated with. We also admit we don't have the perfect, correct answer to every question. Uh, it's it's kind of a tough thing to admit as, as we've come to grips uh, with that, but we don't even agree with everything amongst ourselves. I don't even agree with stuff that I say. So take everything with a kilogram of salt, and that is, of course, SI units. And that brings us to the last point. We are also science uh, and engineering nerdy-based PhDs, so our show will obviously concentrate mostly on that type. But with that all said, let's get on to the episode. So hello. Uh, I am Luis Estevez, and I am joined by the ever rad nuclear material scientist, Liz. What's up, Liz? Hello. <laughs> we have coming back the materials deposition wizard from House Ravenclaw, of course, Rajan. What? <laughs> yeah. We've been pipetting out a little bit of uh, gin and juice for you, like while you were away. So just so you know. Yeah, I have no idea what happened. I wonder. Now, nah, hey, <laughs> life happens. Get busy. So, uh, and then we got the PhD Godfather, so to speak. Uh, the the podcast that spawned from his website, from his 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 need to to bring uh, the PhD to the masses. Elias, what's up, Elias? Hello, Lou. How's everyone? So really excited to have Rajan back. You know, that's such a wow. nice treat. Wow. I mean, he's been busy restarting the American economy, but now he's he's done that. So thanks for coming back. <laughs> Some strange feeling is happening right now. Wait, wait, wait. My chest is rising. Oh, wait. Is this what, <laughs> yeah. is this what it feels like to be a celebrity? Yes. <laughs> Good. It's good to have Getting you back. That. Yes. So today we're going to talk about collaboration. All right. So collaboration, uh, complementary synergy. These are just not words used by motivational speakers. It actually can help you as you navigate your PhD. So this is something we're going to dive right in and something that's near and dear to my heart and uh, hopefully to the rest of the panels. So I will start with a question to the panel and see if anybody wants to jump on in uh, to basically tell us uh, one of your favorite collaborations. like. Based, uh, something that worked uh, where you worked with uh, somebody else and and how how that how did it happen or if you have any near misses or could have been uh, uh, for in the collaboration space uh, anyone want to jump in sure um, well talking about celebrities <laughs> <laughs> I have one very famous collaboration with uh, the one and only recent Nobel laureate mm of in the battery community, Dr. John B. Goodenough. What's uh, up? Holy cow, look at you. Wow, oh, look at you. Yeah. Oh, I was man. like, right? This is the only way to start the podcast. Come on. Bring it. Yeah. We, can, <laughs> we can't respond. Name drop. I don't, yep, I can't respond. <laughs> <laughs> I've got nothing. <laughs> Go for it. But, but it, it, I, did, I didn't realize, the point is like, um, I didn't realize at the time, uh, like how it came to be. And like how many ways, and it, it, I feel like it's a good story to start with. I, and Beautiful. maybe we'll open up uh, several venue, avenues of talk, uh, like points to talk about. I, so yeah. it, it just started with like me working in dark corners of Missouri S and T. One of my ex experiments was not working as always, like uh, a life of an experimental scientist. 
<laughs> so it turned out like one of my PhD advisors met another young scientist at a conference. Work, they, they ended up sending us their uh, solid dioxide fuel cells uh, to do some weird depositions that I was working on. And then Dr. Gurinov's lab met the other professor uh, at a at a, a what a lectureship or something a series that happened at UT Austin, and that's how he also jumped in to provide the modeling for what is happening in the deposition level. So it was just like one after other, like in six months, we from nothing. <laughs> the experiment is not working to uh, like nano letter or something. Um, uh, and yeah, it's, it's, I think that's my best, like in terms of citation, that's my most cited paper. Uh, Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> Look at Raja, like he's, he's gone for a little bit. He comes back with a Nobel Prize laureate story. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, What's up with that? He just, he just walks in and just crushes it, like right off the bat. Like, that's, wow. I that's think, cool. you know, that nanoletters paper just put good enough just above yeah, that, yeah. pushed him over the top to get <laughs> sure. the Nobel Prize. I, I, so. I, I'll so. take that. I'll take that. <laughs> also, by the way, just as a side note, I mean, talk about a Nobel laureate whose last name is good enough. That's like a walking reminder of imposter syndrome, I guess. <laughs> he's good enough. Yeah, I'm sure. No, I'm just sure that uh, I'm like uh, the millionth person to make some version of that joke. Right? But... As soon as he has that name, he's instantly on a crash course with an Elias joke. Like, it's just, it's just a matter of time. Yeah. Like, he's like, he's living his life and just doesn't know that he's on his way to to somehow you know meeting your thought process and then eventually that good enough joke is going to come it's just, it's just not yeah good. although i'm pretty sure he's more interested in other thought processes yeah, you know, maybe, maybe. like the next generation batteries and things like that so yeah. sure <laughs> yeah he, wow nice that's awesome well now my alwyn and lou collaboration doesn't sound quite as quite as a uh, super awesome but like but it, it, you know that that that's the first hey. thing I think of always. Is it is it our buddy Canadian Alwyn? That's right. That's right. It's Alwyn. Come on, Alwyn makes another appearance. That's right. He, or I like to call him Aloysius. Like he's uh, <laughs> he is, typically if I have a friend who's got a, uh, a simple name, I try to make it complicated. And if he's got a complicated name, I try to make it simple for no reason other than I'm weird. But uh, Alwyn is uh, yeah, he, he's like one of my near and dear friends from when I was doing my PhD uh, at Cornell, and he was one of the students that came in my year as well. So it was like good 12 or 13 of us. And it, and this was like, basically, we would just talk, you know, and uh, he would show up in um, our, our uh, office quite a bit. And we'd sit down and just like talk about, hey, how's research going? And then it was just like this weird uh, thing that happened where he was talking about what they were working on. And I'm like, and I'm like oh, that sounds kind of cool. And he's like, yeah, I'm working on these... Uh, this this material that can has both ionic and electrical connectivity and and we're trying to use them to grow cells but it's grown that we grow them on these two-dimensional films and we, we don't know how to make them into a 3d structure i'm like oh uh, i mean i do this all the time i make porous materials and i make 3d structures and i'm like it's actually really easy it's like you just can you know use uh, ice to form your removable template and then he's like i'm like what's you know after a little bit of talking well, we just went up to his lab and we're like, hey, let's just try it. And then we tried it and we got some interesting results as far as what it looked like. And then and then we start I started characterizing a little bit on the side. And this is like this is a, a nod to what Elias calls, uh, I believe you call it upward management. Uh, uh, yeah, yeah, yes. yeah, get the data first, you know, like and this is this is why grad school is awesome, too, because you're in this like this complete research playground where you get to like do whatever you want almost because you're so cheap. You're so woefully underpaid it's actually a good thing because you get to have a lot of freedom because like nobody cares if you if you if you fail a lot that's okay because you don't cost much anyway uh so so you get to, you get to like play around a lot so it, it, it's it's the 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 good part of that negative scene but it's actually it's pretty good because you get to fool around and we were we we got some good data and then he brought it to his pi brought it to my pi and then boom it turned into like this project and all of a sudden we were working on this and, that, and then eventually it 
it got it got like too big for me. I was like working on other stuff, and I was like, all right, this project has turned big. Like, I don't, I can't devote enough time to it. So one of the younger grad students uh, that came in into our program took it over, and she like took it to all kinds of new heights. But like, I was just like, it was such a cool project that started as like, like I think a lunchtime conversation, like, uh, and it was wonderful. Like, I it's one of my favorite like collaborations, and this it's like one of a bunch. Like, I don't know if if you guys know this about me, but I love to collaborate. I like, I love to like, just work with my, my, my end goal in this is not to make great science though. It's just like to work with people I like. So it's kind of a, it's a, it's a very self-serving thing, but it's worked out very well. Like I, uh, there, like when I was in P and L with you guys, there was a guy who came into uh, my group meeting and, and gave a talk on what he was working on. And, and he basically explained like how these oxygen groups on, on the carbon was causing, interesting catalytic reactions. And then I was like, okay, do you know which, which oxygen groups specifically cause this? And he's like, no, nobody really knows. I was like, has anyone done anything with this? No, not really. And I'm like, I think we can explore that if you want to. And he's like, sure. <laughs> and then boom, like a few months later, it turns into a paper as well. Like, so the, these things, it's really kind of cool when you, you know, it's what I like to call, like these collaborations can be like the, the, Hey, uh, your chocolate's in my peanut butter. My peanut butter's in your chocolate. Like you just, you just you're in trouble with your own specific uh, strength or, or 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 ability to add. To, and and you you start to realize that others have problems that that don't seem as tough to you because you come with a different skill set, and they have skill sets that can address the problems that you that that are like you know like uh, basically breaking your research. Like you're like, Oh, I can't make this work. How's it? And then they come in, they're like, Oh, we can just do this. And you're like, Oh my God, that solved everything. Like, and to them it's trivial. So it's collaborations can be like so huge this way. So uh, anybody else, some cool collaborative stories. Actually, I w I've been very lucky during my time in grad school for a couple collaborations. A big part of it was encouragement from my advisor to seek these types of, uh, things. And I think we're going to get more into some details as to how you can start a collaboration. Sure. But yes. one of them, I can tell you like very quickly examples and quick lessons that I learned. So one of them was through my, a contact that my, my PI knows, and uh, he's a theorist. And I was doing the corresponding experiments. I can tell you very quickly uh, a quick lesson that I learned He's just incredible at the work that he does and very intense. And I learned to keep very good notes and records of my data and my MATLAB scripts because this was my first study. So even then, more than now, I was more scattered. And uh, hey, <laughs> if, if you collect data, you have scripts for analysis, keep them, make them annotated at least that two hours later you can know what they are, you know, not immediately forget what they are yes. because they can be asking for data quite quickly and, you know, collaborators are working on their own time. Right. So suddenly your interest might have waned just when their interest is speaking or vice versa. So you have to be ready for that stuff to give them what they want. So that's one thing I learned there. Another collaboration was from a research visit, again, through a contact that my PI has, and that was just an incredible experience to Berlin uh, to the Technical University. I went to the Institut für Theoretische Physik at the Technische Universität. And yeah, basically my first month was just learning how to say the name of the institute. Who are you? Yeah, look at that now. But main lesson learned from there, especially if you're on a research trip, make sure you squeeze as much data as possible and uh, come back with, again, all that data very well annotated and coded and with a plan, like uh, talk about a plan for how you want to see this work through before you leave, make all those arrangements. So you might be tired on day 12 of your all-nighters or whatever, say, say you're visiting a beamline or another institution or whatever, but make sure you take everything you need. You're not going to go there again like next week. It's not like the instrument downstairs. So, uh, so position yourself for success. The last thing you want is for you to have needed just one more data point for a meaningful scientific story. So it's good to be processing things in real time. And then the last maybe example that I would give was through a person whom I met at a conference. And I was, I, I mentioned in an earlier episode, I shifted my uh, research uh, 
project, my thesis, halfway through my PhD, and mostly inspired by when I worked on my original uh, proposal for my candidacy exam. And the person I met there was basically the leader in this new field. And we got off to a good start. He's based in Europe, and he wanted someone based in the U.S. for some experiments. This is a geochemist, and so it's there's some specifics to the where you're located and things like that. And that turned out to be a great project. So just it's fun. Just like talking to people is fun, and ideas come about. It's really, you know, it's obviously I don't want to make it sound as if everything is so easy and wow, you know, you travel places and meet people and things are good. But it is partly like that. And, you know, you make your own luck at some level uh, and sometimes you just get lucky. So keep your antennas up in a conference or in meetings or kind of push for that uh, with your PI themselves uh, if you think there is room for collaborations. Yeah, I'm just going to add really quick to to what you said. Uh, Like one of the collaborators um, that I worked with was – uh, somebody from um, Argonne National Lab, and, and he was from um, uh, uh, Khalid Amin's group, uh, Rajan. So, you know, he's like the... Oh, yeah. That's another, another potential. Big, yes. Yeah. What's up? Another, like, uh, godfather of, of the battery world. Yeah. 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 Kind, kind of what Elias is to the... What's the PhD? Like? <laughs> <laughs> uh, and <laughs> like, uh, so he was just like uh, one of his um, scientists that came over to visit us uh, and, and our, visit our research group. And, you know, you have these, like, they, they present their work, people ask questions. And I asked a few questions, right? And I was like, I, at the time, I, and I'm still doing it, I was making porous carbon materials for electrochemical applications. And he was working on these, like, interesting cathodes. And he was like, yeah, we're, you know, we put them into porous carbons and we see, like, and then we try to, you know, see how well they perform. And I'm like, hey, have you done a, any kind of study where the a particular pore size or a particular... Uh, morphology for the porous carbon or some kind of functional groups like is there like what what because right away I'm thinking okay like here's what I can bring to the table like I can tune all those things so maybe there's something interesting there that I'll get to learn and he's like no we don't have like we don't have like a carbon guy so we can't really like we just get we just use it you know like yeah and I was like oh my god so yeah I was like uh I was like what I I can be that guy like you know that's what I do I make all these and he's like whoa we should definitely talk like can you send us uh, you know samples and I'm like yeah I could just crank them out left and right so I made like a bunch of different samples and we kind of like studied the system empirically and then sent it uh, over to him and I think you know he was like the lead guy I was just like but I you know I was like uh, like decently up there on the author list I wasn't like first of course but like it was it was all his work really like I mean his his major thrust but I got to contribute a lot by giving all these different carbons and then he was, I think we were going back and forth with uh, revisions and, and talking to the editors. And I kind of lost a little bit of interest. And I kind of like, I was like, sure, whatever. Like, I've already done my part. That's all, that's all edited. And so I kind of like, whenever they'd send the draft, I'm like, yeah, 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 this looks fine. And then I forgot about it. And I just, I, I didn't even get, like, and then I switched jobs. So I didn't get like the email that like the paper was accepted. I just like moved on. And then it just, I forgot about it really, to be honest. And then I was working at my current position and then i was like oh you know i want to look into this alternative cathode that like i think is like i was ex- exposed to this earlier and i kind of want to see if anybody else has done this kind of thing because i think i have a uh, uh you know an idea to to go off of and then one of my colleagues like looked it up and he's like no i only find like one paper and he's like and you're on it like you're on this paper that i find and i'm like oh yeah that's right i did that with that guy yeah i totally forgot about that like he goes what the hell how do you forget a paper like that I'm like i don't i just i honestly just I just, too many people yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but it was like it was just a fun i forgot that there was this end goal that we got this like nice paper public like to me it was just a fun project where i got to explore like we the parameter space and just like check check what works and what doesn't work and what's important and what's not and from that i got some really nice knowledge from that and then and then i you know luckily you know he's like a very determined super worker and he kind of like you know got it into like a nice journal and got it like published with beautiful graphics and everything but like it was it was kind of cool i was and and that was just it like it was just from asking questions at 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 the end of uh, a talk like he was like that's that's how a lot of this stuff has started like just you know either talking with other grad students or just just a random question that you're like, well, would you be interested in doing something like that? And they go, yes. And then boom, 
and you're off to the races. And you're, I mean, you know, not Nobel Prize level, but you know, we we can't all we can't all shoulders. No, wait, so like that for that, I didn't do anything, right? Like for that collaboration, I feel like I my contribution was like I was much focused on my on my part. Come on, you contribute. Uh, and the collaboration was brought to me by my PI. And and which is fine, it's like, but it's uh, it's a different story. So that's the thing. Like there are so many reasons to team up with other researchers, like how else? to yeah. and help you access either like scientific expertise, equipment. Or even just materials. Uh, yeah. Like no, I've, yeah. I've had people send me yeah. samples before and it turns out to be something really helpful. Like um, there's a project I am working on with another postdoc here. Ah, it's kind of, I mean, am I working on a project? Like, I don't know, we're working sort of in parallel. Um, mm. And he'll help me like, you know, how specific can I be? I guess I can just say. Um, so if I'm doing Does it involve stuff, molecules? <laughs> atoms, but yeah, also molecules. But anyway, um, so like I, I do a lot of atom probe. That's like one thing I do at work. And then, um, and our atom probe is all fancy. It's like hooked up to this little, you know, reactor chamber thing where you can, you know, expose your little atom probe needles to different gases and, so Stan, a, a postdoc, um, I'm working with, you know, helps me with like, just basically, I, I just went on a, a weird like kick where I was like, let's oxidize this thing. Let's oxidize this thing. And I was just like, you know, basically giving them all these samples being like, can you try this? Can you try this? Um, but what ended up happening was we, uh, I forget what conference I presented at some conference or what, maybe it was a poster. And then other prof like, you know, younger professors were like, that's kind of cool. You want a sample? And then I just started getting samples mailed. I was like, what the hell am I going to do with all these samples now? <laughs> but yeah, sometimes things just happen that way. Like, you know, they, but I feel like uh, something that, uh, you know, Elias was talking about, what was it? You know, like tips and stuff. I feel like another thing or tip, consideration, that's enough, that's a word. Um, is if for any reason you're working with someone or for someone that is really not supportive of collaboration, I feel like that is maybe a dangerous, not dangerous is not the right word, but not a great situation, yeah, but you should yeah. probably seek to understand why, why do they not want you collaborating with, you know, maybe people outside your group? Is there a specific reason? Are there like legal implications? I mean, but I do feel like, you know, like everyone was saying, it's really important to your career to be able to work with a diverse group of, or, you know, a oh, bunch okay. of different type of people with different experiences. Um, and if someone or something is kind of standing in your way of that, I feel um, it's important to maybe try to work around that or, or figure out a, a, a better way. Sure. Yeah. I don't know if anybody's had that experience, but. I feel like that would be, you know, a red flag. I, I think I've had collaborations that were started from my PI, and we'll get into routes to, to collaboration and, and, and how we can hit them in a little bit. But I, for me, uh, I, I was one where my PI started one, and then he, I don't know, he, he was uh, unhappy with how they were doing something, and basically he was like, ah, let's just cut this off. And he's like, and that was it. That was like, uh, yeah. so for me, like, I mean, because he's like, you know, a big wig, so I guess he could do that, or like, I don't know, maybe he, he does, but like, he was kind of, I was doing the work, but he kind of started the, the collaboration, and he was just like, eh, you know what, this is not really working. And and I I don't think I have that um, uh, barometer that, or you know, that that he did like I thought he was right and that was definitely correct because I we would have been wired a bit longer on stuff that that uh, that that probably wouldn't have worked but um, but for me I tend to be very like oh I'm gonna make this work I'm gonna make this work and you can get stuck into yeah the yeah and so so it is kind of important like to know when when it's not working and you're like hey this was a decent idea but uh, maybe we should just like you know. Uh, maybe this is this is not going to go the way we thought it would, and we just you know need to move on. It's not a big deal. Like it's it's, it's yeah. it, there's an art to being able to uh, end the collaboration, and and there's definitely a science to know how to end or when to end a collaboration. That's that's tough for for me to get a hold on sometimes. But Elias, yeah, absolutely. You know there are two different maybe levels of collaboration. One is basically you have a certain expertise like 
take an image or a measurement of something and they need that information. And then that's, uh, you, you give that, it's like an afternoon's work. But that's not really a scientific collaboration, the sense of pulling different thought processes and expertise to solve a problem. It does work sometimes and that's great. And you get a nice paper out of it sometimes. And usually it's not really an afternoon's work, but you know what it, what I mean. Yeah, yeah. But then in, in terms of really solving a problem, you know, you think it's easy. You think, hey, I'm going to quickly apply this to that yeah, and yeah. get something out of it. But it's never like that. You know, right. it's always right there's always a cost benefit to these kinds of things. And and often PIs are reluctant maybe for PH, for exper- for these types of collaborations, maybe because based on recent experiences uh, and things like that, uh, with with even a subfield or a person, like uh, these types of, say, molecular dynamic simulations take too long and then do not really connect with our experiment. You know, maybe your advisor might be thinking at that level, but for you, hey, they do that and we do this, why don't we get together? Right, right. So it's important to do what uh, what Liz like to uh, to to really dig deeper into the reasons for that. Mm-hmm. I should say that often uh, younger professors or professors seeking uh, tenureship who are not don't have tenure yet are many times reluctant to do collaborations, and for good reason. You, you know, you already have a lot on your plate, and you're you're racing against the tenure clock. And the last thing you want is to add this element of uncertainty of someone else's timeline uh, for a measurement that might take much longer than you'd anticipate. You need to have some productivity, some output. And so there are valid reasons to be reluctant about collaborations. But uh, but as we said, sometimes, you know, a directed, pointed collaboration can eventually end up with the job offer that you're looking for, so uh, so for for you, so so keep keep digging for those and uh, position yourself for the job you want. Sometimes maybe by collaborating with that group or finding some avenue to get there. I think it's quite oh, yeah. important. Yeah, yeah. The, the 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 job I have now started as a collaboration. Like that's that's a that that is an easy route to to jobs. I mean, um, basically. Uh, for me, it was meeting someone at a conference, talking with them, uh, realizing we had some overlap, and I was introduced uh, to them by uh, a former colleague of mine. You know, so it's like really important to like, and I cannot stress this enough. Uh, I I must mention this every week, but know your colleagues, make friends with them, get to know that like, you know, they're they're in the same boat you are. They can help you so many ways, but definitely for networking pers- purposes alone, you should be doing this. Uh, and and in, in the collaborative space, it's it's definitely huge to if you're in grad school, know your fellow grad schools that have come up the same time you have, like a year or so close to you, uh, that that are in the same boat and kind of are learning as they go. And as soon as you learn what they're doing, because like the odds are they're going to be doing some really cool whiz bang stuff that like you, that's not in your field house, uh, wheelhouse, and you're just you know you're like wow that sounds so cool. It's like yeah, but we're struggling with this issue. Then, then as you talk, you can you can have a Alwyn Lou type collaboration, or you, who knows what. Like it, it, it I mean, these mm-hmm. things actually happen, and and you should definitely know them. So it's, but but anyway, like it's also good for uh, getting jobs. So for knowing this colleague of mine, she introduced me to somebody else. I talked to him at a conference. We got some collaboration going, and then it led to a job. So I mean, these these things these things happen, uh, and and it's it's. And if you think about it, if you're like somebody looking to hire someone, uh, who would you rather hire? Like some some resume that who knows what is is you know is is a, a hyperbole and who's what's not, and and you know you don't know if you'll even jive with this person, or someone that you've been collaborating with who like puts you know good work together and that you trust and you know their work. It's like of course you're gonna you're gonna try to hire them. So these collaborations can just like I said can totally lead to. Uh, future job opportunities for sure because I, I mean it's uh take advantage of them like work hard get some stuff done but but make make those connections that are absolutely crucial for for your career i think so so yeah so we've talked a little bit about some routes to collaboration i want to delve into the topic a little bit of uh, cross-discipline collaborations specifically so a lot of my collaborations have been like 
other battery scientists when I'm a battery scientist or, or other material scientists when I'm a material scientist. And we're solving like little issues within our localized sphere of influence. But cross-discipline collaborations can be like totally insane, like really game-changing type stuff. And whole, like whole fields can be like completely revamped off of this kind of stuff. And you must think like, wow, so this must happen all the time, but it doesn't. It's so crazy how people stick to their field and you have like, okay, it's like the sharks and the jets or something. And like, you just like, like we're the mechanical engineers and we're going to stay here and like, we don't care about you chemical engineers, whatever, the weird voodoo stuff with alchemy. We're going to stay here with our with the machines and the chemists are like, you guys are weird with your machines and you're like, like nobody seems to like, like, like work together. I mean, it's not really that bad, but but it's but people hardly come out of their little comfort zones. What's so, happening at Cornell, man? Yeah, like, I was going to say, that must be Cornell. Your impression. <laughs> it's very, it's very uh, um, you know, uh, West Side Story, like people snapping all the time no but but it's it's obviously that like that but but you don't see a lot of cross-pollination for sure and it should be way more because it's amazing how how much happens when you do i mean just the 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 field of uh, bioengineering is like relatively new and it was like basically a bunch of doctors being like, we're going to do doctor stuff over here. And a bunch of engineers being like, we're going to do engineer stuff over here. And then you have doctors putting in implants into, into patients that have real engineering issues and they're not engineers. And, and you have engineers that can help solve that, but like don't know medicine, right? So, and then all of a sudden they get together and you get some cross-disciplinary pollination and boom, you, a new field emerges that, that changes everything. I and mean, you have game-breaking gains. And so... This is something that if you have the opportunity to take advantage of, I think you really should because uh, I, I think and, and Cornell tried to actively encourage us despite my earlier uh, West Side Story <laughs> type analogy. Uh, Cornell does a really good job of, of trying to get this crosstalk. They have something called uh, uh, Tell Grads It's Friday, TGIF. Like, you know, the, the, their joke being that <laughs> graduate students don't realize that it's actually Friday. And and they basically give like one dollar beers at like this <laughs> club, and so you just go there and you just hang out with other grad students, and because it's like nearly free beer, so it's like okay, that's a good draw. Yeah. We'll, we'll we'll go there, and then you go there and you talk to people from the vet school, you talk to people from uh, you know all kinds of the law school, the whatever. You have people that are, that are in different disciplines than you, and you start to realize there's different problems outside of your small little localized field. And then who knows, it can lead to collaborations. I mean, that to me is where you can really make a big impact because, you know, there's there's nothing I know about veterinary science like other than like the, what I watched yeah. from on a history, I mean, on Discovery Channel or something like that. Like, I don't know, I'm not a doctor, right? Like, I, I just, uh, <laughs> or I don't know enough about medicine to 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 really uh, to know that field. But you know, uh, likewise, there, there could be a lot of people in the vet school that are like, "Hey, we're looking for a new drug delivery method that requires material science," or or we're looking for uh, a different way to make implants or a different way to grow cells. I mean, these kind of things. There's like our material science problems that once they get to the medical side of things my knowledge base goes off a cliff, but then somebody else can be there to catch it and just move it on to the next level. And that's how you really can, can uh, like hit a lot of really impactful work. So I, I don't know. I think that's something that bears uh, uh, talking about too. Like just really just go outside your department if you can. Uh, yeah. I, I got two examples just to add on to that. Of the, so one is like during my PhD, uh, before I moved on to, working with the uh, amazing collaboration of, let me say again, <laughs> Dr. John B. <laughs> 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 Can we have a little bit uh, of the I was actually, I started my PhD very first few months as a PhD student was working with a electrical engineer uh, professor who was working on creating uh, like artificial uh, electrodes that could be used as a part of the heart monitoring system that would be implanted into a person. 
That's right. Uh, and they were using bioactive glass and creating uh, some sort uh, using that bioactive glass as a base material and uh, morphing that into like a, a capacitor or a, or, a, or, like, or like a battery and converting and in and, and, uh, utilizing in such a way that once it's implanted to your body, it will dissolve after a certain number of days or number of weeks, depending on the design of the material. So, so, so like, just to, yeah, it, it's, uh, it was super crazy work. It, it was in back then in the early stages of uh, that particular research, but like that, that kind of gave me like a whole new perspective of what a research collaboration should be or could be, I should say. And like, and to give you a completely different example, which I was not part of that amazing collaboration, <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, is when I came to PNNL. So the PNNL uh, has a bunch of, uh, of course, amazing stuff going on, not only with Hanford, or, but also there is, to give you uh, uh, another spectrum is, so uh, we are in a Eastern Washington state where we are, uh, we have a Columbia River going on, mm-hmm. and so there are a ton of salmon and other oh, yeah, fisheries fish. going. That's yeah, right. That's right. So, so they have a huge project at an at a state level of tracking the fish and making sure that the population uh, stays uh, in control and all, not only control but like a uh, they check their health and, uh, <laughs> and and all sorts of things, right? I have no idea. I don't have even vocabulary to talk about. I just about. know that there are fish. <laughs> <laughs> I <do those. laughs> so, so the so in order to track them, they had this uh, back then. They they were just using the plastic tags, and but then they come up with a new method of like digitizing that and tracking them in real time. But you yeah. need for that you need. A power source, a, a transmitter. That's right. So you have you have electrical engineers working with this fishery uh, or biological sciences, and also uh, like material science people working on batteries that the micro batteries to yeah. uh, develop this kind of to support this uh, this um, tiny transmitter. Fish tracking. Yeah. By the way, so, just a quick uh, short little shout out. What's up, Dr. Yushin Wang? Like, uh, yes, Yushin. He's a big part of that. Like, uh, he's. I agree. He's, He's with me now. At, he started it, I think. He yes. was he was, was the early he, part of it. Yeah, he was one of the early uh, guys that worked on that. So that micro battery is insane. It's like a, a grain of rice size uh, yes. type of thing f- for a battery for uh, that they can put into a tag for fish. It's like it's it's wild. It's pretty cool. But go on, sorry. No, but that just to, just to add like eight points on that spectrum, like how wide it could go if you go cross discipline. Yeah. Uh, collaborations. Good call, yeah. man. Yeah. yeah, I wanted to say on that note that something that might seem second nature to you, like building a battery, might seem yeah. like a super like a superpower for someone else and vice versa, you know? Yeah. If someone knows yeah. what salmon should be doing and behaving like, for you, that's <laughs> like magic. So, and that's the nature of those cross-field, uh, cross-discipline collaborations yeah. is that... Yeah. You're bringing just a completely different paradigm to the table and uh, just a completely different way of looking at things. So watch out for that. Yeah, That's nice. You know, even within the same field as well, be mindful of, of your skills and, you know, your skills might, ha- skills might have a tweak or a twist that's based on your experiences that uh, brings a lot to the table. And sometimes you would not even be aware of that. So, for example, you might be... Uh, an expert in a specific type of microscopy or by uh, working in a group that does completely different things. Or you might be, say, a person who develops algorithms for data analysis, and then you work with a group that's full of microscopists. And so, for example, uh, in that type of case, if you develop some kind of data analysis algorithm that is helpful for people, say, then immediately you're part of not just one collaboration. You have all this army of people with tons of data who are excited about 
your data analysis routines and can they, they it can make their work much nicer and uh, then you would be really bringing kind of building this synergy between these different data skills where for you you might have been using that algorithm hey for like the longest time and not even known that anyone cares about that so <laughs> so those are the types of synergies where something that really sec- look for those opportunities you have skills Definitely. that you might even consider as skills even you know it might yeah. be something you've been doing yeah. all day every day and uh, yeah people are interested in your skills yeah maybe the last thing on that note i wanted to say is uh, a little bit tongue in cheek but uh, be a little bit careful of fishing expeditions <laughs> quite <laughs> Quite literally, in this case, at Rajan's example with the fishing, with the fish. But uh, sometimes, hey, it's not bad if you pool different resources, if you couple one technique that you use for another in a different field, and maybe you get a paper out of it, and maybe it's incredibly useful. And then again, maybe it's not. So uh, often when there's not a clear hypothesis in sight, that's what we sometimes call a fishing expedition. That's not so bad. But don't build a career out of it. Like, make sure you have your traditional project on track and yeah, yeah. Uh, play around with those high-risk, high-reward things. But don't base a lot of your dissertation on them because you don't want to end up with, like, no real hypothesis, just a cool-sounding experiment. So just something to keep in mind. Yeah. One I, thing I... Oh, yeah. Go ahead. No, no, you go. Oh, okay, so uh, just a quick thing I wanted to add, um, in addition to all, like, everything that... Everyone else has mentioned something that, uh, so I'm currently working with um, a physicist who, um, I mean, he, he's very senior. I would like, you know, he's a, he's a mentor of mine, not really, um, you know, a, a peer. He's not another like postdoc sort of thing. So anyway, um, so, you know, he has many years of experience and all of that. And, but he's a physicist by education and research and everything. And um, just the, way he looks at data, interprets data, plots data, things like this, he does differently than me. And I have learned to look at my, like, yeah, we work together, but like um, maybe my data I collect using different methods for a different project. I look at it totally different now. I plot it totally different now because of the skills and things I've learned just by working with this physicist. And I feel like that, like, this is just kind of a simple thing. Like, how I plot things and, you know, interpret or yeah, I don't know. Just th- these are also simple, small things that you can pick up by these collaborations. Maybe, maybe a paper doesn't come out or whatever, but try to always grab these little things here and there that you can learn from anyone who has a different educational and research experience from you. Yeah. Good point. Like that's, that's a really good point. Like, and, and yeah. just to follow up a little bit uh, on, on, uh, some of the earlier points too about um, you know being being able to bring synergies or complementary skill sets. This is not only um, uh, useful for or useful to think of this way uh, when in terms of outside collaborators outside the group. That can be done within the group too. And and in in the early days, especially when you're just like a beginning PhD student, like Elliot said. You know what other people do can seem like wizardry to you like you know i came into yep. chemistry heavy yeah I, I i came into a chemistry heavy uh material science group that was like polymer chemistry mostly and i was a mechanical engineer and like my chemistry background was like you know i could draw dots around you know atoms and maybe make things join together like you know like i was like really super basic uh like my chemistry was like was uh, I didn't know I'd be using it as like a backbone of most of my career. I was just like, yeah, I just, as a mechanical engineer, I was like, I just need to learn about combustion processes and balancing equations and I'm done, you know? And I was like, no, it's a whole new world now. Like you have to know. So I went into this group and everybody was like this world-class chemist and they all knew how to do um, this great, and so this great chemistry. And I was like, wow, this, I, I cannot contribute. So I came, but I came in as a mechie and I was able to, I, I knew how to use MATLAB and that instantly made me like, valuable because a lot of them didn't and i i knew how to uh and and we were using these actuators right so uh so he my my advisor who's really smart and really good uh pi and also manager like he was like he knew right like that this would work if he just paired me with like somebody who was a chemist that didn't have a lot of mechanics background and we were working on these actuators that required both knowing both these skill sets and so 
I came in and I was like, oh my God, like, I don't know what I can bring to this to the table here. She's like a postdoc who knows like so much. And then she was, we went to the mechanical engineering department to use their setup to test these actuators. And then she's like, yeah, and we, we would have to, you know, it was their setup. So we could only use it every once in a while and it was tough to use. And, and I was like, you know, we don't have to deal with this. We can just make our own setup. And she's like, what do you mean? We, we, we can't make it. I'm like, well, of course we can. That's like, that's super basic. Like I can put something together like in a week. And she's like, really? Can you do that? I'm like, well, yeah, like that, that's, I mean, I, in my mind, I was like, the only, there must be some other reason that we're not doing that. Because like, to me, that was like a, nor- like a <laughs> normal thing that you could do. Like, I was yeah. like, you need a few string gazers, you need some wires. And, and then and she's like, oh my God, if you could do that, that'd be great. I'm like, well, sure, I'll do it. And so like, I put it all together. There's like wires all over the place. And just, you know, it was like, looked very sciencey, like from, from Hollywood, <laughs> like just wires sticking out everywhere. It just looked like the duct tape and bubble gum, but like, it worked really well. And we got great data. And it verified the earlier data and everything. And she was, and she was like over, like just completely over the moon that we could do that. And and that's when I realized I'm like, wow, I'm bringing something to the table like that I thought was like trivial and nothing. And like like to them, like I somebody one of the other chemists told me too at one point. He like I was like I was like I feel like you guys do so such cool stuff. You're in there with like beakers and flasks and making all these reactions happening. And I'm like sitting here with my wires like all over the place. He's like he's like. I don't know, but like when I look at the lab, I look at your stuff and I'm like, ooh, that looks like totally magic. Like, I don't know what he's doing there. <laughs> These weird polymers are like moving around in weird ways. And I'm like, I'm like, really? Like, he's like, yeah, that's, and I was, and, and it kind of hit me there. I was like, wow, I'm, con-. and like, this is like well, maybe my first or second year. So I'm like, I'm contributing. I was like, holy cow, I can't believe I'm contributing. This is amazing. But it, it you know, these complementary skill sets, uh, it's something that you should definitely like realize as soon as possible and and use that to your advantage in all kinds of collaborations like even within the group and definitely without outside the group and you know maybe even in the overcoming the west side story type beefs and go cross disciplinary <laughs> you know, if you if you can so so any and i just kind of wanted to 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 touch on this topic as well too um, and we talked about this a little bit, or maybe you started to, uh, Elias, but, uh, you know, a ways to kind of, uh, uh, get to a fruitful collaboration and, and maybe try to avoid some of the pitfalls of like, what I would call like beer talk versus like actual collaboration, you know, like <laughs> everyone like starts talking and just kind of like has a few beers and like, Hey man, we should totally do this. Like, you know. <laughs> take your peanut butter and I grab my chocolate we throw it together and we're like yeah and it's like you know and then you like talk about it a lot and then every time you see them and you talk, talk but then you never get around to doing it and because you're both really busy right so that makes sense but you know there's ways I think uh to if you really want to make that happen and this becomes by the way as a PhD student you should be doing this as much as possible not the beer talk part but like the collaboration part because later on, you just don't have time to do it and you're too expensive and your time is too valuable and it gets very difficult to justify trying stuff out. So really take advantage of, of PhD school, uh, sorry, of graduate school to, to do this. But, um, you know, and in order to do it, you have to kind of, uh, I think, um, like kind of set goals for for what you're trying to accomplish and, and set achievable goals like, okay, next week I'll make you this material and then you can test it and then you'll have a week tested. And I don't know if does anybody have any suggestions about how we can move from from just like uh, beer talk to actual fruitful collaborations, because uh, I, I think it can be dangerous, especially and I like to work with people that I like. So that then it becomes even trick, like a trickier slope, because like mm-hmm. I like hanging out with this person so we can just like talk all day or just kind of like it's, it's fun to talk and get nothing done. But so so it, it, that's that that can be tough to move out of that into like actual work. So I don't know. Have you guys encountered anything like this or, or, or found ways to surmount it? Yeah. So the way I, when I think about collaboration, I, I keep what I want or, uh, or my goal, my personal goal out of that collaboration clear to me, at least, uh, in throughout this discussion, if I'm, if I'm starting a collaboration, can you give an example? Like, what do you mean? For example, if I if I want to, what is the reason of this particular collaboration? Whether it's a scientific expertise that I'm trying to get of this uh, particular person, is it the equipment? Is it uh, I'm just uh, trying to get more publication, gotcha, or, or gotcha. and this, this person has already established reputation and it will help me, and which is true. Uh, it it does <laughs> sometimes. He, uh, 
uh, it, okay. it helps you or write to write a stronger grant proposal uh, with adding this another, for example, I'm, a, I'm an experimental scientist. I have no idea about modeling uh, or simulation. I can bring someone who has, who is also a material scientist, but who only does modeling simulation. Yeah. And I was like, okay, if I bring him on board, this particular, and then it's, I know it's, it's going to make it more, uh, fruitful or completely. It's a completely new interest that I'm trying to pursue in my career. And I'm, I'm looking for this particular person who has this fancy new technique or skill that I can use. Okay. Right. Um, but this all comes, as he mentioned, like with potential risk and challenges, like, so, cause collaboration is all about interpersonal endeavors. Right. Yeah. You're relying on someone that yeah. is Requires sometimes a challenge. Yeah. Communication, yeah. open-mindedness. Yeah. Yeah. Elias. Yeah. I have a couple of thoughts on this as well. First, it's important that both parties have a stake in it. So it's not yeah. as if you were just incredibly interest, interested right. in their talents and they still don't know what your name is. <laughs> so that's not a collaboration. <laughs> that's like, <laughs> yeah, that's more yeah. like a dream, not a collaboration. So it's a subtle difference, I think. So, so, so our, our, our hoverboard idea is this, are you trying to... <laughs> he's, he's backing out. He's backing out. Here. Yeah, yeah. That's my, that's my strange way of coming out to you now no, so but it's a hoverboard yeah. it's a board like, <laughs> I, I don't know how else like uh, god <laughs> so both parties should be interested in the science and then look on day one it's not as if you're gonna start saying you're gonna be first author you're gonna be like third author you're gonna be like fourth <laughs> with a star next to your yeah, name yeah, because yeah, 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 it's yeah, not yeah. gonna be like that but Nothing. there should be some kind of understanding that both parties are interested in the science and both parties, yeah, look, we live in the real world. No one's going to work for free for you if they're not interested in it. So, so you need to establish that. Okay. So that's one thing. The second thing is you could be doing that thing that Lou mentioned where you are working with a fellow grad student and then getting some data in, and that's great. But we know that it's not going to get published or come to maturity without the PIs being interested. That's right. And I think that's crucial part. So the more and sooner the PIs become interested in yeah. serious data, the more now this collaboration is on solid grounds. It might be how the collaboration started in the beginning, but if not, make sure that's part of that's on your radar. That's, and then thirdly, yeah. yeah, then thirdly, send the sample. Like uh, if, if someone received something in the mail from you, then you're, that's officially a collaboration, right? By definition, yeah, 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 yeah. if it's quite important to like do that part, that to establish that physical connection, that's part of the collaboration for the measurement. They can't measure it if they don't have it with them. So that's something to remember. And I think it's important to create some kind of timeline on what's going to happen next. Or look, yeah. it might not be like, hey, you know, uh, you're going to do this on week three and I'm going to do this, you know, on the right. next Tuesday and something like that. But in the very least, each party should know what the other party is up to in that collaboration or whose court is the ball in now? Are we waiting for them for something? Are they waiting for us? That's because, right. you know, I've been in kind of in limbo situation or like in purgatory where no one knows the heck who's kind of taking the initiative on a project and that's how projects uh, die. And sometimes it can be as easy as just pinging the person or sending an email or just being clear in that thing. And on that note, for from your perspective, be prompt in answering. Prompt doesn't mean that you're gonna do the measurement tomorrow or even next week necessarily, but prompt at least in, in being clear on what's next and also responding quickly even if you're not measuring quickly so saying that hey i didn't forget about answering those emails quickly i didn't forget about this it's on my radar and next week i'm gonna get back to you and keep your promises if you don't keep your promises reach out saying that you did not keep the promises so kind of like be proactive in that sense i think it's pretty key in making collaborations not just succeed but also fun you know like uh, otherwise they're not fun they're just incredibly painful Yes, ghosting does not just happen in dating apps. Like people can be ghosting. <laughs> it's like it's like, oh, what happened? We were working with them, and they just just disappeared into the ether. It's God. <laughs> Gaslighting, all the time. Research. <laughs> yeah. 
So yeah, th- those those are fantastic. Uh, yeah, th- rules to live by. Uh, you really should take you know the time, keep people in the loop. Uh, even if, like you said, you can't get you can't get the the work done. I think people just appreciate like knowing what's going on, and and, and of course you would as well. So just just do it. Do what you would prefer to, to have happen to you, and, and and don't let that collaboration die in the vine. Uh, so, yeah. so I think you know, uh, for you know, collaborations. Uh, of course, we've talked a lot about like um, uh, starting them and and how to go uh, about targeting conferences, targeting your fellow grad students, which again I cannot stress enough. Uh, targeting other people that you might meet at uh, other uh, other functions, like you know tell grads it's Friday or whatever, but you know, you get some collaborations thrust on you as well. And, and we covered this a little bit, but really you should, you should just treat these like any other collaboration and not just busy work. Your PI is, has, has, uh, assigned you, right? Like your, your PI is putting you there to collaborate. So take, do the same exact thing that you're doing, uh, for your own collaborations that you, that are like your ideas, but like, but, you know, put in the same amount of work and, and, and get the same kind of networking later on. Like, some of the best work that that I that I had the most fun doing at Cornell was this uh, energy materials uh, energy material center at Cornell, uh, which was called EMC Squared. Of course, they have to come up with these. Clever- <laughs> That's uh, a good name, though. I know, right? The, the energy material center at Cornell, two C's. Yeah, like, oh, okay. All right, I see what you did. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Um, but it was awesome. It was so much fun, and it was fun because. Uh, everybody was in this collaborative spirit. Like there was no, like, I don't want to share this. Like you're going to, you know, this is my, everybody was like super open, just like opening up lab books and, and, uh, and laptops. And there was so much good work done there. And, and the PIs were fantastic. They basically let the kids run the show. It was amazing. Like uh, basically all the postdocs. Yeah. All the postdocs and grad students. I mean, they were running the, the PIs were running the show for sure, but like we were <laughs> like getting everything done. So they were like, yeah, whatever direction you want to go. We're like, really? You really trust us? Like, I don't know. Like, <laughs> Did not- someone just ask my opinion? No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really <laughs> <laughs> It was totally crazy. You have these high, high level folks uh, in their field and they're just like, they're like, yeah, I mean, you guys seem to be doing a good job. Just roll with it. And then we had like people who were like leading the thrust, but they were either grad students or, or PIs as well or, or postdocs as well. And it was awesome it was like this playground of like open collaboration it was like so, one of the best experiences i ever had and and we got a lot done because of that like it was it was great so so that was like something that you know my 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 advisor told me like hey you're going to be our guy here and your job is to do x y and z and i was like okay and i went in there but but it turned into like not just like hey we got to crank we got to make these materials send them over they got to do this with it we got to you know it was instead it was like Let's all sit together and like hit this problem and come up with suggestions. And it was like, it was crazy awesome. Like I, it was one of the best experiences I had there. And I still keep in t- contact with a lot of these folks. And and it's led to I have somebody that I uh, that I collaborated with a little bit who I needed some quick characterization because we the machine that I needed was down and I just needed so quick. And I was like, well, let me call this. Uh, I mean, let me email this guy. Uh, and I, I emailed him and I was like. Um, Hey, you know, I know you have this machine. Like, can you just quickly run some samples? He's like, Hey, I'm glad you contacted me. Like, he wanted some porous carbon materials. He's like, Yeah, I have some students making them, but honestly, I could just like, if you can just send me some stuff. Like, I'm like, What do you want? And I'm like, He's like, Yeah, can you make me X Y Z? I'm like, Sure. And I sent it to him. He did a bunch of characterization, and it was like so simple and easy and great. And it was so these these collaborations, like I said, they they. They they really pay off down the line later when your when your colleagues and now suddenly your colleagues are not just like you know people trying to navigate a PhD program uh, dealing with imposter syndrome and being overworked and lack of sleep and and you know uh, all the stuff that comes with a PhD life they eventually become professors and and large PIs of of uh, of uh, you know of research groups at national labs or or become. Um, big, you know, scientists at big companies and, and these become really important people to know. And you're like, you're like, yeah, I remember like, uh, like, uh, playing ultimate Frisbee with you and, and failing miserably at like 
all these things. And now you're like this head person of, wow, it's crazy. So get to know your, get to know your friends and get, get to know your PhD students, uh, make sure that they're your friends and, and collaborate and let it pay off later on. I mean, it's just, it's great. It's, it's win for everybody. Hey Lou, I just thought of something I wanted to, um, add. So I forget where I heard this first, but, uh, the phrase, uh, to be interesting, be interested. I feel applies to collaborations because I mean, think about how you want to interact with other scientists as a scientist. It's way more enjoyable and I feel productive if the person on the other side of the table or video chat, I guess is, you know, our new world, but um, they're interested and they're asking you questions and they want to be actually involved in the, you know, scientific story. They're not just like, you know, figuring out, okay, uh, like, what do you want? Uh, I guess I can do it next week. I guess I can do it. Yeah, I'll try. You know, like if there's some like reluctance or like they're not really interested in, in the scientific story, then, you know, that maybe isn't the most fruitful. But if you really want to develop a collaboration, like start asking questions. And even if, you know, they're simple to you, you're, you're maybe in a different field. But the like kind of having that curiosity and expressing interest gets that other person or other group or whoever interested. Um, and I just think it's more fun to work with interested people, you know, pe- and not people that are just like, yes, I will work. Yeah. I will like, do. Yeah. I'm just a workhorse sort of thing, you know? Uh, yeah. Elias. I can't agree more. You know, you spent five years on third floor of that building in cubicle seven or whatever of that office. And, you know, sometimes those could be your boundaries because you're so busy with the day-to-day with the technical experiments and things like that. But they don't, it doesn't have to be that way. You could just expand, be curious about what everyone, first of all, in the room is doing. You don't need to be able to know, understand at the level that they do. It's their work after all. But just the big picture ideas but what everyone in your floor, your building, your department, and the research community at large, and just being curious and inquisitive and going out for meaningful chats and beers and coffees, not like to just uh, for a social experience alone, and not just for like uh, purely with a goal in mind in terms of a publication or whatever, just because you're just a curious and inquisitive person, which of course you are, and that's why you're doing science. That's right. So yeah. do, don't let don't let the day to day stamp that uh, or remove that out of you. That curiosity that got you in, involved in the beginning, just or keep the, hold of that. Or the drive for like papers, like yes, we've talked about yeah. papers. Papers are important. That's we're not saying they're not, but I it's different when there's a collaboration that starts with we're going to get a paper versus yes. a collaboration that starts with, we have a question. Mm, what do you yeah. think about this? Like, would your technique work or the technique you're really good at? Would that be a good technique to apply to this problem? What do you think? Yeah, let's try it. You know, like the, this is, that's a whole different, you know, flavor of, uh, okay. Flavor, wrong word, C- kind of <laughs> interaction, you know, I just, and I think one, I would prefer one over the other. Right. <laughs> You know, the paper can even be limiting in a sense. Maybe you get a whole career out of this, like a whole research grant or multiple papers. Or by the way, maybe nothing at all, but just the satisfaction of pursuing a question and hey, turned out uh, that's the answer (laughs) or whatever. Nobel Prize. Oh, brought it back to the Nobel Prize. Yeah. And we've come full circle. We are. Well, that's, I think that's a perfect stopping point. Anyone have anything else to add? I no, pretty much. No. Yeah, I think we dropped the bomb. Come on. I would, yeah, that's a bomb. It's been dropped. And and I'd like to thank everyone for this collaborative process, of course. What's up? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. But, but uh, thank you very much. Uh, and and I'd like to say a special shout out to uh, Andres and Is, uh, Isabel have sent some emails our way we may uh go into uh some of the emails we get so hey uh clock's ticking get your emails in guys and you know give us some suggestions 
and we we may uh, uh, devote a little time to answering uh, the emails and definitely trying to hit those suggestions. So thank you very much for those emails. Keep them coming. Uh, appreciate it uh, very much. And I think that wraps up another What's the PH Deal? Thank you for listening, everyone. And uh, this is Lou Estevez saying to keep rocking out the science. And bye, everybody. See you next bye. week. Bye. Rock on.